Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for being here. Hi, this is episode 92 of the show. Thanks to everybody who's new. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, can't make a show without people listening. And that's you. So thank you. Yeah, this is episode 92 of the show. If you're new, welcome. A lot of people have come here uh, through Mamma Mia and they're binging on a lot of episodes, and that's really nice to hear. So thank you so much if you're new. I'm really grateful that you're a part of the show. And please, I'd ask you, just tell a friend. Just let someone else know about the show. Let them know, um, you know, how to listen to a podcast. Show them, grab their phone, show them how to do it, download a couple, and then maybe this one's one of them. That'll be great. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, SoundCloud, or the podcast app of your choice. That way you'll never miss a show, and I'll just turn up in your phone every Monday if you're in Australia or Sunday if you're on the other side of the international dateline. I hope that your week was good. Thank you so much for writing me email. Send us your email at gmail.com is where you can get to me. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm going to get straight to it today. My week was okay. I hope your week was okay. Uh, we've been very busy uh, shooting uh, TV out here in Australia and we're uh, very close to finishing. So it's a bit flat out at the moment, but I still managed to make some great episodes of Movember Radio this week. If you haven't checked that out yet, um, you can find that in iTunes as well, but that's a really, really cracking, uh, cracking show that I'm very, very, very happy to be a part of, uh, which kind of led me, I guess, to bring my guest in this week. Um, Grant Trebilco is one of the co-founders of One Wave Is All It Takes, which is, it's a mental health awareness movement, pretty much based around uh, surfing, a bit of yoga, and mostly dressing up in fluorescent wetsuits and workout gear and whatever else you can find and going for a surf on a Friday morning on a beach near you because in Grant's words, one wave is all it takes to make you feel better. You can follow their epic Instagram at one wave is all it takes. That's all one word. Grant tells a really fascinating story about how in the middle of a successful career living overseas, he's originally from New Zealand. So he's here in Australia. He's great career. He's got a girlfriend of five years. He ended up having a manic episode that ended up with him being taken to hospital by police. Um, he ended up being hospitalized not once, but twice. And, um, it's a tough story to hear, but it is one that has a happy ending because he describes the foundation of 
look, a really wonderful, caring community focused on fun, awareness for each other, and wearing fluoro clothes and going surfing. It's a, it's a really great story. I'm so stoked that he had the time to come over and share it with me. If you do hear anything in this episode that resonates with you, though, please do talk to your doctor. We do get dark here. We talk about some heavy stuff. Uh, and just know that it is far braver to speak up, tell someone how you're doing than it is to push it down and keep it inside. It takes a lot more guts to t- say something to someone and go and take action. So be brave, take action. There's heaps of uh, resources at onewaveisallittakes.com and also you just call your doctor if you need something. You hear Grant and I talk about so many resources that are available to people who are having a hard time. Grant's actually having a crowdfunding campaign right now. Uh, you can go to startsomegood.com slash one wave is all it takes. Startsomegood.com slash one wave is all it takes. I'll put a link on the website and also this week's mail out there. Try to scale up what they do into a 12-week, I guess what you call a recovery program is based around surfing, which is which is pretty fantastic. So come with me on a, a lovely cold Friday afternoon in Bondi. Enjoy some vegan chocolate slice and a conversation with Grant Trebelko from One Wave is all it takes. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming over. Right, thanks for having me. No, unreal. Did you surf this morning? Yeah, I had a wave at Manly this morning. Yeah? Yeah, it was it was so it was cold to get in, but once you got in, it was like so good. Yeah? But it was freezing. What kind of water temperatures are we talking? Oh, the water's probably like, I reckon about 18 still, but the air was about four or five degrees mm. this morning. Yeah, so once you're in there, it's like a bath, but. Yeah, but. <clears throat> just getting The in. wind was pretty up this morning too. Yeah, the wind was cold. This was there much swell? Uh it's pretty small this morning. Yeah. One, two, four. But yeah. a few fun ones. Yeah. I saw a photo on um, Aquabumps of a guy in Speedos out in Maroubra going for a surf. I was like, how are you in Speedos surfing this morning? So keen. How many, uh, how many crew were out at uh, Manly for one wave this morning? Mate, Manly this morning we had about five of us. So the cold kept a few people in bed this morning. Yeah. At Bondi, I think it was about 40 out at Bondi this morning. Wow, man. Some doing yoga, some surfing. Dressed in their fluoro kits. That's fantastic. Oh, that's yeah, cool. So that's... Are you good today? Yeah. Today's yeah. a good day? Yeah, going good today. Yeah, yeah. Friday's are always good. I find when I get up early on a Friday, like go for a surf and hang out with all the One Wave crew down at Fluoro Friday, like it's always a you know best way to start the day. Yeah. I'd imagine that that would give you a pretty good hit into the weekend. Yeah, it just gives you a good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like get up early and then you like, catch up with crew and just have yeah. a yarn. Like, yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? So, you know, that, that community spirit, that community vibe of having a chat with people in the morning that you get to just kind of check in a bit and touch base. Yeah, definitely. Like some mornings like today, we actually, it was so tough to get out of bed, but just knowing there's going to be, you know, your mates down there, it just gets you up. And then when you start like catch up with them, like it just makes the day so much better. Like even yeah. if you've had a tough week and then you get through to Friday morning and that like, you don't feel like getting up, but just knowing that there's going to be crew down there that you can have a yarn to about if you've had a tough week, like that's the yeah the biggest thing. Where did you grow up? Uh, New Zealand. Yeah, it's a big yeah. country. Come on. Where? Mount Monganui in New Zealand. Where is that? Where is for an Australian? East coast and the North Island. If you go fly into Auckland, it's about two and a half hours down the coast. Mm-hmm. So a small little beach town around 25,000. Right. Epic little place. Cruisy little place. So east coast, so just nothing but South Pacific. Yeah, it's, it's a good little... Yeah, good little place. Is that you where you learned to there. surf? Uh, yeah, that's where I learned to surf. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what did your folks do? 
Um, we actually grew up on a farm before that until I was 14. So dad was a dairy farmer. And so we'd just learn to surf in the holidays over at the mountain. We'd have a tent there for like six weeks when the farm, you know, we got Shemulkrin for the um, summer and just tent for like camp for six weeks. And that's where I learned to surf. And then eventually we persuaded him to uh, move over there. So we moved over there when I was like 14. So when you were a kid going on those adventures in like six weeks in a tent, how many brothers and sisters? Well, I got two brothers and one sister. So four of your kids well, yeah. going bananas. That was the best. Like just so chilled, like you just like camping and like barbecues every night and just yeah. like surf all day and yeah, it was the best of those holidays. It's six six a six week stretch though, is it's almost like moving. It's almost like, it's a, like yeah, we'd yeah. just move for the summer. We'd go like somewhere different first for like two weeks, and then we'd go to the mount, which is where we're mum and dad live now for the last two weeks. So that was kinda of like That would have been that would have been awesome. Little adventures, yeah, it was so good. And so who did you just grab a board one day or did you see other kids surfing or how did it happen? My dad threw us out there on boogie boards at the start because he was like a keen surfer. So we started on boogie boards and um, and then my brother got a surf with my older brother and I was like, had a go on it one day and then I just got hooked. It was like this old saltwater surfboard, full deck grip. Like it was, but yeah, ever since I got a go and, and my dad and my brother taught me and I was just like, okay, surfing's, surfing's it. I'm going to surf from now on. I learned to surf when I was the first time I stood up on a surfboard. I was twenty six. That's mate, that's good. <laughs> and, the first, and when I properly learned to surf, I was thirty. And how do you want it now? Uh, I've been out of the water for a while. I did my shoulder a few years ago, and then I just kind of I have been out of the surf for quite a while. And um, I've got this beautiful Takayama sitting. Oh, those are the best. Boys. I had two, but one got stolen from me. It was awful, but. I'm about to bring it back to Australia. I'm looking forward to it. It's, a, it's an in the pink nose rider. It's oh, the, those are so beautiful. Good. Looking at those. Beautiful. And, the, you know, they're not going to get made anymore. It's a glorious, glorious yeah, board. perfect to come down for surf right away. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. No excuses now? No, I know. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. Um, now, you uh, – so you went, to, you went to school in this little town? Um, or did you travel? I went to school. So I went to, like, college there and university over in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Worked a few years and I just got the travel bug and went snowboarding in Canada for like five months. Uh huh. Which part? Um, I was in Whistler. Yeah, man. In BC. Yeah, yeah. So that was epic. And then I went to London to see my brother to do a surf trip around Europe. And then I was just going to do like six months, go back to New Zealand. And we did the trip and I just got hooked on the travel bug and stayed in London for three years and, and worked and traveled. And then now I've been in Sydney for six. So I've been like 10 years away. So what brought you, what brought you to Sydney? I was just over the London weather. Yeah. I was missing the beach and I was still wanted to travel. So I was like, I've got to check out Sydney. So, it, it's an interesting country, New Zealand. There's more New Zealanders outside of New Zealand than there are in New Zealand. <laughs> Mate, there's a few. I don't know how many is in Australia. Like I heard like, yeah, I don't know how many in Australia. Well, I heard the last figure I heard was there's 4 million people that live in New Zealand. Yeah, 4 million. But there's 10 million people that call themselves New Zealanders in the world. Just they claim it because we're good at rugby. That's <laughs> <laughs> when they claim it. And then, um, I talked to Rishi McCaw this week. Did you? Yeah. Legend. The mo- oh, yeah, I saw that in the moment. Yeah. How's that? Amazing guy. Mate, I get why. Oh, that's why you're the captain of the greatest rugby team on the planet. Uh, I would follow you into battle. <laughs> mate, yeah. Yeah. He's such a legend. Mm. Really opened up about a head injury he had uh, earlier in his career that kind of shifted his personality a bit you know oh, okay. a lot of people don't realize that you no, know when no, you when you yeah. get a, a decent head knock it can really shift you and make you kind of cranky and grumpy and sure. short yeah yeah you open it right up about it. it was really interesting chat 
That's good because you don't hear about much of that stuff. You know? No. You might hear like it got injured, but they don't really talk about like you know the impact and yeah. Well, like, that's like when is he going to be back on the footy field? Like, well, that, that's what the that's what the Movember show is all about. You know, it's it's and it's much while we're having this conversation today. It's you know I had my struggles with you know mental illness and I you know I live with it and I talked to Adam who runs Movember. I'm like, listen, man, we've got to. We've got to talk about this. We've got to get into the destigmatization business because there's, yeah. Yeah, there's too many blokes that, uh, men in particular, yeah, suicide's the number one killer of men under 25 yeah, in this yes. country, which is when it, it's it, this country's got more than anything in the planet on the planet. And you know, it's just that's the thing, yeah, it doesn't discriminate though, doesn't no, matter, and right? that's how good a family you've got or what your job is. Like, it's just I heard Noel Gallagher talk about this on a podcast the other day. Zane from One Direction, all right, went on a talent show because he wanted to be famous, joined One Direction, spent maybe three years um, being the most popular band in the world, probably a, a good eight figures or nine figures in the bank, leaves the band because he's sat unhappy. Yeah. You know, whatever's going on in his life, I mean, sure, he's getting laid left and right. Yeah, yeah. You know, he but... doesn't fly commercial. Yeah. But he's still unhappy. That's the thing. Yeah. Like everyone's going through different stuff. Like look at Robin Williams and it's sometimes the people that appear the happiest that are actually struggling the most because I know when I was was struggling but I didn't tell anyone, it was like my mates always saw me as the happy dude. Mm. And so you kind of like, oh, you're always so happy. So you kind of felt like you couldn't let your guard down. You didn't want them to admit you were struggling because that they might see you and treat you differently mm. and you didn't want the sympathy either. So it's so hard to know, like, who's actually struggling. Yeah. I, I was interested interested to know, like, you went, how old were you when you left New Zealand? I was, well, 34, 25. You were 25. So you did your, like, your 18, 19, 20-year-old drinking in New Zealand. Yeah. Is that similar to what 18, 19, 20-year-old drinking is like here? Yeah. Yeah, we love a few beers, that's for sure. Finish rugby, like, get a box of beers. Yeah, after school finishes, we'd get, like, a keg and just, you know, when we finish school, it's like when we're 18, 17, 18, you know, it's a big, like it's what you do. You drink a lot before you went out. Pre-game. Yeah. Pre-game <laughs> was really strong in New Zealand. Yeah, right. People didn't like spending much money in the round. Right. It's very similar to Oz. Yeah, I'll, yeah very, I'd, ima- I'd imagine. Because when I think about, when I think about the kind of drinking I used to do, that was normal. It boggles my mind. I know. It boggles my mind. If I saw a guy walk in and says, I'm going to have... 13 beers, 10 shots, and then whatever happens after midnight, I don't <laughs> Exactly. So and that's the, just Friday. I know. It's when the bouncers ask you sometimes, like, so how many drinks you had? And if you said actually how many you had, like, probably most people wouldn't get lit in at a bar. Oh, absolutely. But everyone's off, just had a couple, what do you mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I know you've talked about uh, before that your family had a history of mental illness. Did they ever address that when you were young? Did- how did it manifest in your family? Yeah, so my dad um, has bipolar as well, the same as me, and he he's had it for about 10 years, but I never understood it. Like, I, I kind of knew he had it, and I knew some things had happened in, in his life, and um, but I didn't understand why. And the only time they really started to address it was when they started to worry about me. I, I think I was 21, I had a breakup with a girlfriend, and for a year I was struggling to get out of bed, struggling to go surfing, and they kind of hinted and tried to say, like, do I want to get go for, and get help? But I was just like, no, 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 I'm fine. So I just kind of pushed it off. And with mental health issues, you know, like it's um, really hard to force people. 
it's not until like you kind of realized yourself and so i just kept kept battling on and what did what did that look like with yourself medicating what was happening um i was just like i'd get like really down you know if i if i um something went wrong at work or um say for example the breakup it just hit me like real hard i'd go from happy to like really sad but i couldn't get out of bed for a few days and so i just kept kind of pushing on so i just thought like that's what happens you know like and i'm a dude like i can't say that i'm struggling and so i just kept going and it was when it kind of like ups and downs you know what i mean like i'd i'd be good but then i'd be hit really hard and but then when i went overseas um yeah i was pretty good like ups and downs but when i was traveling there was not as much worries you know what i mean i went to whistler i was just doing a fun job i went to london i was focused more on the travel than work so there was less pressure but it wasn't until I got back to Sydney that I really started to struggle again. I was in a, like a high pressure job. I was actually doing um, marketing for a tequila company. So I was like out late partying a lot. I was like super busy in the office and I had a presentation one day and I had like really, really bad anxiety and I had to, actually had to leave in the middle of giving the presentation. I could not leave the bathroom. It was that bad. And that's when I said to my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, I can't, like this is the first time. I was 10 years of struggling by myself. I was like, I just need help, like take me to a doctor. And that was the first time. And right, how old were you? 30. Wow, so you'd been, obviously that wasn't the first time you felt like that. Right? Nah, I felt like that. I'd had it at times for ages, but I just thought I could just get through it myself. Right. You know, and I don't want to be, I was scared of being labeled of being a depressed dude because my mate saw me as this happy dude. Mm. And I thought that might change the whole, my whole life, like how people treat me. Yeah, it does play a big role in it, doesn't it? Yeah. It does play a big a big role in, in how, I mean, I certainly, I place so much value on others' opinion of me, far too much, in fact. Yeah. Um, that I I had a similar, you know, similar experience of, and it was only once I had to tell people, well, this is, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to tell anybody that I haven't actually left the house for three days. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to tell anybody. Yeah. yeah. And with work, I just have to fake it and say I'm sick. Yeah. You know, like I actually went to, um, so after getting help, I got put on to, um, I filled out this happiness survey, which I'm like, well, I've told you I'm struggling the first time in 10 years. Like, how do you think I rank on the happiness scale? Like, I'm down the freaking like back end. And then they put me, went to see a psychologist. And I actually got diagnosed with perfectionism. Oh, yeah. And I was actually like, I was happy. I was like, shit, yes, like I'm not depressed. I don't have to go on medication. But then I got stuck on a work trip to um, Mexico and I actually had like, um, I think it's, they call it a psychotic episode. So basically it was just like nearly manic depression. And um, I was just after a week partying, jet lag. I was in a hotel room, could not sleep. The anxiety was so, so bad. And that was the first time I thought about taking my life. And it wasn't, it was, I was the best family and best friends and I had a good job. But at that moment, I just couldn't see any way out. And I was just like, could not do anything. It was just so lucky that my brother was in Mexico City, which I managed to get to the next day, and he just looked after me, like just looked after me in a hotel. Room. I could not leave the hotel room. My goodness! But you still had to get from what part of Mexico were you? I was in, in the town of Tequila because I was visiting the Tequila distilleries. Oh my! But this is like it was like so it was it's a big international trip for your work. It means it was a like lot. Like a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. And be a lot of pressure from work as well. So much. I, was, I couldn't email back work. Like, they were super worried about me. I was trying to, like, I couldn't email them back. And so I made it to Mexico, to Mexico City. Like, being my, my brother. God. Now, I've, I've got to admit, I've, I've had that experience. Something about mm -hmm. hotel rooms in other countries. 
but I've I've had that experience where you have to be in that state of I need to get I need to sound like you you know like a spy novel but I have to get out of this country I have to get yeah. out of the city and going through those big international airports with thousands of people and then when you feel like that it's a scary. It's not scary. okay. I was going no I was going through the buzzer thing and I thought just everyone was like looking at me I was just real like yeah so lucky your brother was there. It was so lucky. Like he pretty much just like, yeah, looked after me three days, and then they had to he had to put me on a plane to Sydney, and they were just like, like my parents were just trying to think about flying from New Zealand to Mexico, and he was they were super worried about me, obviously just getting back to Sydney. Yeah. But luckily, I made it back. And so, when you came back, obviously, I mean, a lot of people would be afraid to come out to work to say this is what actually happened to your workplace. How did you deal with that? That was so hard. So I basically, um, before that, I'd actually talked to my manager before the trip because I had to, um, when I first um, was struggling a bit about why, and I told her about the, um, you know, going through depression stuff. So she, she understood it. She was real understanding. But when I went back to work, I tried to work and I could not read emails, could not deal with anything. I was just in such a bad state. And so my manager like gave me said like look just take some time out, and she didn't tell. We're like, what should we tell the team? Like, what's wrong with me? And um, she, we said I had yeah, I'd caught it, picked up Giardia in Mexico. And this is a stigma around mental health because we couldn't. She didn't want to risk telling the team that I'd gone through depression. So when I had to come back into the office, I had to go with that story. And that's the thing about like I shouldn't have to. I should have just been able to tell the honest truth, you know. And that was. That was so hard, but now after everything that's happened, like um, all my workmates know the real reason, you know, and that feels good. Yeah, and it was so hard to hide at the time because it feels like you're hiding a part of your life that you shouldn't have to, you know, that you're battling with enough by yourself. You shouldn't have to worry about what other people are thinking, you know. And I think it's important for others to realize as well. I mean, I was watching that sixty minutes uh, last week. I haven't watched the show in a decade. And I watched it because that Bell Gibson girl was on. Yeah. Uh, and I watched it and I see someone who's clearly ill. All right. And everyone's like, she's just a liar. She's a fraud. Nah, no, she's actually in it so deep in her head. Yeah. Her reality's actually shifted. Yeah. And this is not okay the way they're interviewing her. I felt really, really bad for her. But there's still some people who can't understand what it's like to have the part of your brain that processes the world to be a broken was that the one about cancer the, yeah the girl who said she got brain cancer the same because i obviously it's you know she shouldn't have done it but i felt like you're it's gonna be so hard for her already like don't need to drill her i think she knows she's stuffed up yeah but she's from what i could see she's still in this kind of she's delusional thing going on yeah yeah it's not okay she's not healthy yeah yeah, yeah. or I'm, I'm just you know i can't diagnose her i've never spoken with her yeah yeah but, obviously but it, you have to. it bothered me she wasn't just a flat out fraud. Yeah. And what I guess what I'm trying to say is that so many, so much reaction to her was like, throw her into prison. I was like, yeah, she took a lot of people money, took a lot of people's money for the wrong reason. Yeah. But she's actually quite sick. Yeah. And that was my thoughts. Yeah, definitely. That a lot of people just can't understand what it is to have someone they know to be in a situation where the way their brain works isn't working properly. It's not them personally. That. It's yeah. just the way their brain's processing information and around them. Yeah, is, definitely. It's a little busted. Yeah. And it's really hard for people to ever understand unless they go through it, which is like similar mental health issues, you know, like to, for me to try and explain what
what I went through in terms of when I found out I had bipolar, like people, Anish, my dad understands it and my mates, other mates who have got bipolar understand, but it's so hard to understand it if you haven't been through it yourself. So you got back to Sydney, did you see a doctor when you got back here or did you go back yeah. over to New Zealand? It's been a crazy journey for how I found I had bipolar. So basically I went and saw a psychiatrist. Here in Sydney? Yeah. Uh-huh. Got diagnosed with depression. Even I, I, my dad was there with me. I said, look, I've got bipolar in the family. Um, he diagnosed me with depression, put me on antidepressants. Basically what happened the next three months was some of the best three months of my life. Like my mood just went up. I was enjoying like the little things like just like, having a coffee in the morning, you know, like getting up and having a shower and just the normal things that I've lost feeling for for so long. And then throwing all these parties with work and I'd set up this like how he would to kill a surf team. And, but then it was like at this Australian open of surf, like three years ago now, it just went, the shit just went all wrong. So basically one week I broke up with a girlfriend of four years on a Friday night, Wednesday I'd spent all my personal money on the bar tabs for the surf team. Thursday, I walked into my work, the tequila job, dressed as a Mexican tequila harvester and said I want to quit because I was going to start a charity called Where the Party At. And I was going to follow the ASB surf tour and, and raise money for um, surf aid by throwing parties. And it all seemed like the best idea ever at the time. And then by Sunday, I actually um, stole a surf club paddleboard um, on the beach there when the semi-final was on. I remember Corbin Harris was on the beach interview and I actually went up to him and said, hey, can you like film this? Like, you need to film this. I'm going to be doing this. And I paddled around the contest site. And then when I got into the beach, I got chased by the ASB officials and up the beach. And then I got handcuffed by 10 police. My and- mom, yeah. Like all just grabbed me. I just remember people being around. My mum and dad had arrived from New Zealand because I'd done some post on Facebook that they were like super worried about. Um, about like where the party at thingy and then I got handcuffed and taken to hospital and I got put in there. I remember getting an injection in the ass, put to sleep in the acute ward of, of a mental health hospital in Manly and waking up and being surrounded by people that are going through very like heavy mental health yeah. conditions. And it was like, that was the like one. It was so hard because I'd gone from being so down to so up. And it felt like my dream and I'd finally working out like what I was going to do with life. And then it just got all ripped away from me. So that, but that week when you were in that moment, did it feel like, oh, this is all the best idea ever. Best Everyone's going to love this. Exactly. Like, cause I'm usually pretty chilled, but this week I was just like super excited. And as week gone on, I was needing like living off no sleep. Like, cause I was running these different parties and I'd go and surf in the morning and I got faster and faster. So basically, I'd think of an idea. Okay, I'm going to start a charity with a party. And boom, I'm going to post on Facebook about it. I'm going to tag 60 friends. Boom, I'm going to go to my work. I'm going to um, quit the job and just start it like now. I'm going to ring mum and use mum and dad in New Zealand and like, you know, can you help me get some money to buy a van for the tour? So it was like everything went too fast. I remember talking to friends who started to get super worried about me and they just said like you were so, you everything was so fast that you couldn't like if you post on facebook maybe once every couple of days you'd post like three or four times a day mm. so it's just like everything goes so fast and it feels like it's all happening for a reason finally but then you just get too too high and, and so just, that that moment when you came back into the beach um you know when when you know i look uh, well when you tell that story firstly i'm grateful that it's Australian police that detained you I and know. not American well, police. Imagine that, it were, imagine that it happened in Mexico. Or, like, or America. Yeah. It would have been handguns. 
Exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't have 10 guys holding you down. Oh, no. Yeah. But like to imagine, did you, did you have, why did it take 10 guys? I was so much energy. I actually escaped from the, um, the ambulance. They handcuffed me from the ambulance. I escaped and ran through like a whole crowd of people and ended up back on the beach again. Like because you have, when you're going into a manic state, you've got that much energy and you're that much, you don't want it to end. Like it's like this dream's coming true and you don't want it to end. So you just do anything. Wow. And yeah. so you had just like this super strength or something. I don't know what it is. It's just you've just got more energy than you've ever felt like and you can just feel like you can do anything, you know. But it's all you're trying to do good stuff. It's not you're trying to do bad stuff. You're trying to you just want to help people. You don't care about money. It's it's so it's yeah. just I'm like, how do I find the balance of the using that bipolar element to like be in the middle of something, you know? That's yeah, the, that's the key. So when you was it when you woke up in the in the ward that I'm assuming it was like a secure ward. Where, secure, yeah, yeah. Firstly, in a secure one. Um, when you woke up there, did you? Is that when you realised something bad has happened, or that wasn't as good as I thought it was? Or? Yeah, exactly. That was the first time it's happened, though. So I really didn't know what was going on. I just felt so down, like you know what I mean, because they'd put me on like some medication straight up and to try and bring me out of that manic zone. But I think for the first, I remember mum and dad. I was still pretty high for a first few days. I remember mum and dad gave me like this. They brought in some clothes and stuff and my headphones. I was like, yes, like music. And I was like, they came in and I was like, had made a bandana around my head. I had like my headphones on and I was just like dancing around. So for a while I was still like, yeah. I don't really know what was happening. It was about five or six days in when the medication really kicked in that I really started to get down on it. Yeah, that was, it was the hardest time of my life. Like, how do you reset after that? How do you, I mean, obviously it feels, I mean, if anyone has ever seen a show Homeland, the, the lead character in that, she's she's um, bipolar. And her father is as well in the show. And she has these enormous epiphanies when she's up and she's solving this incredibly difficult thing and the whole room's covered in pictures with cotton wool, you know, linking everything together. And, you know, she's been awake for three straight days and they come in and say, look, I know it feels amazing, but you need to go to the hospital. Yeah, and then that's the hardest thing because you don't listen because you're like, no, I'm actually feeling this is the best I've felt ever. Yeah. And then the, the people have to go, no, no, you're not. He's like, no, not again. Because I've been in hospital twice. Oh. And it, yeah, and it's just like, no, not again. Like I was actually feeling like starting to feel good again. Yeah, right. Ah, so tough. So when – was it at that point where you're like, okay, I've been 10 years, I've been putting this off now. At what point did you realise – okay, I really have to fix, I really have to take some action here. I can't live like this. It was in hospital. Yeah. The yeah. first time? Yeah. First time I kind of, I just started to to talk to other, it was real hard because you're put on so much medication, you're really doled out and sleepy, but I started to talk to other people and they're like, because like that's, mum and dad were coming every day, but I started talking to other people because you judge people, you know, like it's people with schizophrenia in there, people with depression, anxiety, um, but, and then you actually start to talk, you know, like, because people with schizophrenia sometimes can, people can think because that's, you know, they're talking and really fast that they judge them based on that. But when I started to, to talk to these guys, like, I found them the most, like, you know, like caring and like smart dudes out there. And together we talked about like what medication we're on, like what helps us. We did like yoga together. We did like cycling, rowing, because we all teamed up and said, if we just like work out how we can get out of here quick, we basically if you stay high you're never going to get out of there but it, we said if we just chill and help each other out and like 
they said actually you can't share your music in mags and stuff. I'm like, whatever, like we just started sharing it. I remember this lady was running around crying one day. I'm like, just yeah, have my music. And then she's dancing around like, yeah. So we just kind of like started talking. And then I thought like, there must be so many people out there that have been misjudged, you know. Here I am, I've been hiding it for years, but now I'm together with all these people. We're all trying to be happy, you know, like, but some of us face different challenges. So that moment I decided, I'm, I'm like, okay, I've got my polymer now. I'm going to be like, for some reason, I came up with this thing called um, um, that I'm a bipolar bear and now I'm going to create this thing called Big Bear Hug. And because like it but hugs help so much, like the mum and dad come in and stuff. And I decided from then I was going to start raising awareness for mental health. I just wanted to use my experience to help others um, talk about it so they didn't have to hopefully go through what I did. And, yeah, that's what I started doing. And then um, day, I think about seven or eight days in, mum and dad came and got me and I was allowed out for like an hour. And they moved, they were staying in Manly. They moved over from New Zealand while I was in hospital. They took me down for surf. And, like, I actually lost my legs, wouldn't even working properly, so I couldn't even stand up. But just being out in the ocean, like, just was like, yes, like, such a good escape. And I was like, it just gave me hope that if I be good and just chill out in hospital, that I could be back surfing again soon. And yeah, that was the, the best thing, just saying, actually, like, there is some hope and I can get better. Because it does feel like it's permanent. At, at that moment, you feel yeah. like I've gone through so many ups and downs. You start going, how does this happen to me? Like, yeah, so you could get so down on yourself. But for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to try and, like, hopefully help others. So but you're very lucky to have had that realisation. A lot of people don't get that, yeah. aren't that lucky. A lot of people get stuck in that, like that U2 song, stuck in a moment they can't get out of. They're stuck it's, in that space where for everything your brain's telling you is how this feels right now is how it's going to feel forever which is actually false but it feels so real yeah and that's when people make very poor choices oh i know that's the thing and they just don't have the support at that time Mm. and they don't know how to reach out for for help someone like told me this thing about don't fight the feelings because i think for me for 10 years i was fighting it saying i shouldn't be sad i've got good family around me like why am I so sad like it's my fault but as soon as you actually just go actually I'm sad because I've got stuff going on in my life right now like my job's stressful I've been through a breakup like if I just find stuff to get through you know with time it'll 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 get easier and that's always helped me heaps and also it's okay not to be okay like you don't have to be I used to think you have to be happy all the time but it's actually you it's really hard to be happy all the time you know it's, it's not. It's not it's, a natural state. It's to not be a in. natural state. To be and in. as you've just described, if you're happy all the time, it's actually. It's actually. A, it's you're just quite sick, possibly. Well, that's the thing. I actually get worried now if I see someone who's really happy all the time. So I'm like, like, are you actually, you know, like, because it's really hard. Yeah. To be happy all the time, because it feels like you have to keep putting on that front. And yeah. like Robin Williams is a big reminder of me for that, you know. Yeah. Very, very, very tough. I've heard a few different things about about him. Um, I've heard that he had some heart surgery oh, that fundamentally he came out with a personality shift after that heart surgery, oh, whatever God. happened during the surgery, whatever, you know, drugs he was on or whatever, however long he was out for, I don't know what it is at all, or maybe the physiological change in his body or something, but he had a personality shift after that apparently. Oh, shit. Yeah, and he was already, you know, quite out there. Yeah. And definitely, you know, had talked about, but that was that was so sad. That was so, so, so sad. You went back to New Zealand uh, 
after this at one point, didn't you? you I went straight from- out of first time hospital. I basically escaped to, um, I basically packed up everything. I went straight from hospital, came to Bondi, packed up my stuff and just disappeared. I didn't really even, only my close friends knew what had happened. You know? What about work? How did, what did you tell them? Well, basically I'd quit the day I was dressed up as the Mexican, but they, uh, they actually, they got in touch like, and because I'd racked up a couple of bar tabs during that week of that, the manic week as well. So they actually were like, they'd fix those up and they were amazing actually. Like my boss was the, so, so understanding. Um, and so they were good. So yeah, I just basically packed up and spent three months back there. And look, it was just being with my family and being able to go on the surf with my dad and my brothers and my mates. In and this place that you, grew, you used to have your holidays in? Yeah. Wow. Back just back home. And I, honestly, like I could not sit on the couch for five minutes because of the medication stuff, my anxiety was so bad, but I could spend hours in the ocean. Like I could not sleep. So I just been waiting for it to get light. And like, I remember being on the ocean and getting this one wave one day. I was like the first time I actually felt like happy for so long. Like, yeah, it was the best thing. And just being able to get out there every day and like catch a wave is the thing that gave me hope that things could get better, you know? At what point did you decide to come back to Australia? Um, yeah, that was an interesting one actually. So I, <laughs> I was on this, decided I wanted to do a trip to the States to see my brother. He lives in New York. And uh, I was going to come back to Sydney first. And this is the problem. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Other that came to save you in Mexico City. Mm, yeah. And mum and dad weren't that keen for me to travel yet because obviously they wanted me to, I was still getting better. Um, but they didn't want to hold me back. And so then I actually went, yeah, went to New York and then came back to Sydney and, and, and set up in Sydney. And then, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was tough to get back because it was like reality, you know, like I didn't have the job I used to do. And a lot of the friends I'd made through that job, like didn't know what had happened to me. And so it was like, yeah, like it was really, really tough. Cause I was like, actually shit, I really need my family and stuff right now. And, um, and, you know, you need people, good people around you who have known you for years, you know, your mates that you've have been with you for life. But it was lucky that I uh, bumped into um, a mate, Sam, who I started one wave with. And he was actually a bar manager at one of the bars um, I'd go to during that week. And I actually, the day I went for a surf out of Mountley Hospital, I bumped into him in the surf. And he's a surf instructor. He was a surf instructor there. And he was asking what had happened while I disappeared. And I explained, he's like, shit, like, just hope you're okay. And I bumped into him in Bondi and we got chatting. I actually like decided when I was in New Zealand that I wanted to spend the next year raising awareness for mental health. And the thing that had helped me most was like being out in the ocean surfing, openly talking about it. You know, when I started to tell my mates, I was so scared, but you know, 
once I told one of my mates and he told me he'd suffered from anxiety, he hadn't told anyone. And I told another one and he'd, he'd suffered from, um, you know, depression. And I was like, okay, so my dad has bipolar, two of my best mates have suffered and, you know, none of us knew. And like, why can't we just, we just talk about it? So the thing that was holding you back from telling anybody, once you grit your teeth and told people, did any of the things that you worried about that might happen once you told people? Not one. Yeah. Every single person I've told has either been the most supportive, caring person ever, or they've shared a story. Like, it, so many more people are affected than what we think. You know, it's one in five yeah. each year that are affected, and that's only we know about. But you know, sixty-five percent of people don't get help, and that's the reason why. Like, we think that people are going to treat us differently or judge us, but the thing is, is that People appreciate it. They're like, they think, you know, they're like, thank you for sharing. Like, I've actually been suffering. I've never told anyone. And that's why, um, you know, me and Sammy decided to set up one wave. And it was basically just, you know, sharing a simple recipe of salt water surfing good people and Fluoro Fridays to, you know, tackle mental health issues. Like, let people know they're not alone. And Did you decide it's going to be one wave or did you just go one day, I'm just going to go wear this and go surfing? <laughs> it was, um, so it came up with one wave. Um, back home, we're just I'm like, we're like, what's the name? It's gonna be like, like one world, one love. It's gonna be on seven, like one wave, and that was the name. And then I was actually on a surf trip to Samoa. My brother, like, when I was struggling, he shouted me a surprise trip to Samoa, and I was out there, and I was like, we need like a tagline, we need something that gets the message across. And I remember we just jumped off this boat, we surfed. I remember I got this good wave, and I thought of it. I'm like, shit, like one wave is all it takes. Like that one wave just made me so happy, and it. it could be all it takes to make someone smile or it could even change someone's life like for me and I went in the boat and I got the boat trail like write it down I'm like sweet so when I got back to Sydney um me and Sammy launched Instagram and one wave is all it takes in the Facebook but we weren't sure how to launch it and then I actually it was just after I ended up back in home I got so excited um launching oh, it right I was like Instagram for two nights like not sleeping I was so I got so stoked on how excited people were about it and talking to people about their stories that I forgot to sleep and actually went manic again because when you got bipolar, if you don't sleep enough, you can go manic and got back in hospital and spent another seven days in there. But when I got out, it was I was still kind of like high, like manic. And it was a Friday morning and I was just decided like, I've never surfed in a suit before. Like maybe if I could surf in a suit, it might start get people talking about mental health because how else are they going to ask me about you know how else can we talk to someone about depression you know how else can we it's a good conversation starter isn't it well that's the thing just something fun to start the conversation about something really serious yeah you know similar to Movember with growing mo's and so i couldn't find my suit pants but found a like shirt a tie and ran down friday when i got the like some weird looks like people would have thought some people thought i'd come straight from the cross and um eugene from akawamps just was asking me what i'm doing I'm like oh i just got an early meeting you know like and then there was this guy out there. We started talking. He started to ask me why I was dressed up, and I told him my story. And he said um, he had suffered from depression his whole life and never told anyone. And we actually like both teared up. And I was like, if all it takes is for me dressing up in funny shit once a week on a Friday, like I called it a board meeting, the first one, <laughs> then that's you know that's what I'm gonna do, like for however long it takes. And so that was the first board meeting. And luckily, Aquabump shared it out that day on the no, I remember seeing that photo. Yeah. Yeah. And it got me so stoked. I'm like, I was just like, okay, so if someone shares about it, like 
someone you know might care and and you know help me join share the love the next week and next week we had about four of us and my mate joel i never met joel but he works in mental health and came down a tuxedo and he was just so stoked on it so it was just us that day i'm like next three weeks the board meetings got up to about 10 and then one friday we're like actually like we had fluorosine we started putting fluorosine on we're actually like fluoro friday could be a better way of um you know spreading the message because the fluoro like gets people talking about mental health asking questions that usually get avoided and also fluoro makes you happy and when you dress up it's a sense of kind of freedom and like when you're going through depression or anxiety like you're so worried about what people think but getting people to dress up and come down on friday it can make them feel like for once i don't care and i want people to ask me why i'm dressed up like this you know like because if they do i'm going to tell them that i'm raising awareness for mental health and that's when the conversations start yeah so did you just go a raid on the Vinnies and find all the fluoro wetsuits yeah, you could find? Yeah, all sorts. So just like Vinnies, um, some of the girls make these stretchy, like full like banana lycra suits and everything and any Hawaiian shirts or anything, anything goes really, anything random. Just to, It's just so good to like, because you take life so serious sometimes. It's just so good to have all the crew down there. It's like a dress-up party on water. And, but before we always start, someone different each week will talk about their experiences with mental health it might be their personal experiences it might be um, family or friends and that's just to let people know they're not alone um and just to let people know that if they need help it's there because that's the biggest thing i think people i didn't know how to get help when i was struggling i knew that mum and dad would help me but when i really needed it i didn't know i didn't know the doctor could prescribe me um medication and so basically we just let everyone know they're not alone and we give them like local doctors numbers who we work with. We give them the um, like lifeline details just to make sure that you know, if they do need help, they can get it. Yeah. And then we get it, just get out of the surf and have fun. And There's that old <clears throat> phrase, only a surfer knows the feeling. And I always thought for the majority of people, only a surfer knows the feeling of being on a wave and riding that wave. For me though, I'm, an average surfer i surf about as well as i play golf like i can do it enough that you know but i'm you know i'll never be amazing however there's um i i know that the reason that i would surf more often than not was for the chat with my mate out the back exactly while we waited that. yeah yeah it's yeah. so that conversation that you have out there and is that old you know I say it all the time, men don't talk face-to-face, men talk shoulder-to-shoulder. Yeah. And it's when you're out there and you're both looking for the set and someone says, yeah, yeah. the eldest kid's doing this or that or yeah. you know, works this or my wife's that. Or... It's, it's so true. It's like it's this escape. Like you kind of, when you're out surfing, kind of like, it's kind of, you just don't, you're away from everything, you know. Yeah. You it doesn't matter what job you do or like where you live. If you're out in the surf and you have a yarn to someone because it's just about, Shit, we're out. We've got this time. We're actually just away from all the distractions. Yeah. I've had some of like the most life-changing conversations um, out in the Bay at Bondi. Yeah. yeah. Particularly my early conversations about sobriety and my early realizations about my drinking and, and you know, chatting with other blokes who are, you know, guys I never thought would be, guys had seen it in my eye and going, oh, well, come on, I'll, I'll talk to you. But I was like, oh, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. It's like, come let me talk. Let me tell you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. guys that had seen it in me. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, you know, I'm really, really lucky that, that I had those 
know, those those conversations. There's something about the fun aspect of it though that I think, as you mentioned, you know, the Movember is a, is a great example of just having something fun around, you know, making the conversation happen. Yeah. And this caught on very quickly. Where was the first beach outside of Bondi to do it? Manly. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. That's the thing. The fun thing. I think. And there's something about dressing up in a funny freaking outfit and having a chat to a stranger about mental health and what they've been through. And it turns like strangers into best friends in like minutes. Like I didn't, I knew Sam out of in one wave now and now all the crew is like my best mates. I didn't know them before. Yeah. So it's crazy how coming together and talking about something very personal that you've hidden for years and you become best mates like that. A lot of people are afraid of the language though. A lot of people are afraid of talking about like the word mental health means yeah. it's, it's kind of scary to want to admit it. Like, do you use different language when you talk about it? Yeah, we talk about funk. Like our thing is like free the funk because basically it's just like letting everything go because that was exactly that. We're like, we try not to use, we don't use mental illness because it just feels so serious. So we, we talk about mental health in terms of like raising awareness of mental health and helping beat mental health issues, but we try and use funk a lot just because it doesn't sound so permanent. Mm. And, you know, mental health can be up and down. Like bipolar, you have good things and bad things. So I think you know, funk, it kind of doesn't sound so, it's easy to say, look, I'm going through a bit of funk and I'm going through a mental health issue. Mm. So, but it's hard. Some people don't catch, it doesn't catch on with some people, but we're trying to like bring it more in. So it's, so yeah. it's easy to talk about it. Yeah. And you've had some success stories. You've had people come to you and, you know, check themselves out, go take some action for their own health. Yeah. We've been like really just amazed at the, at the support and how brave people are. Like, for example, we had a girl who came down, talk in front of 70 people down at Bondi Beach on a Friday morning and, and she's been to Helen back and she said it was a Thursday night and she had rocks in her pocket and was going to walk in the ocean down at Bondi. But she said, if I can just get through to through to Friday and I can catch up with the one wave crew and things might, would be okay. And she basically said that they like thought a Friday saved my life. And, um, and it was just the fact of knowing that there was people there that you can reach out to. And we've had people in, um, a girl in New Zealand who's never been to a Flora Friday. And she um, sent us a message on Facebook to say, like, she suffered from end disorder. And she said she's had all the doctors in the world, but, like, seeing us dressed up in fluoro and gave her hope that, you know, she wasn't large. She went and bought a fluoro witty. And every Friday she goes out now and surfs in fluoro. And so it's just given people... Um, yeah, like it, like hope that it's, they're not alone. You know, and it's not such a big thing. It's not too serious. You know, it's a really serious issue, but there's lots of people going through it. Like, and let's like beat it together. Like the only way we're going to beat this issue that people face alone is by standing together. Like, and that's what we're just, just trying to do. Make it easier to have that conversation and make it sure people get help quicker. Because that, that really, that's also the other thing that it, it tells you. It tells you that you're the only person who feels this way. Mm. You're the only person exactly. that feels this way, and it's going to go on forever. And you shouldn't be. And you're like, you've got yeah. no reason to feel like this. And it's yeah. like you have. Like life's tough. Yeah. Like it's hard sometimes. You know. Yeah. It's obviously an idea that caught on very quickly, and it wasn't long before there was Fluoro Fridays happening and beaches all around mm. Australia. What was the first international one? Yeah, the first international one was um, New Zealand at the Mount. Yeah. And then we had uh, Bali. Yeah. And then we've had them in um, Mexico, the States, and Spain. So 50 beaches 
internationally now I've had um, a fluoro Friday. How's that feel? Oh, it's unreal. Like it doesn't feel real. like it actually doesn't feel real to me. Like it kind of feels like I did that. It was a random decision one day to try and help get people talking. And I just get so stoked to see other people who have gone through, you know, battled with mental health issues like me and starting a fluoro Friday at their local beach has helped them beat it. And they they've set up fluoro Friday by themselves. And now instead of worrying about being down on what's happened to them, they're like, now I'm helping people. They're like. They, a girl had never told anyone. And I'm like, would you like to write a blog? She set up Alex Head's floor. Right? I'm like, would you look, like to write a blog on it? She's like, oh, I'm so scared, but yeah, I'll do it. She wrote it. And it went like so viral and she got so much support. She's just like, I'm just crying. I just can't believe how supportive people are. And then she got like an article in the newspaper. And it's just like, that's what makes me happy. Like just seeing other people, how much like how it can help them, you know, yeah. and then how passionate they get and they just start helping others. It kind of like. There's something about, out. there's something that's, I think a lot of people underestimate how powerful being of service to others is and can be for yourself. Exactly. If you're feeling shit, going out and helping somebody else who you probably you don't even know, yeah. it can make you feel better than you could ever imagine. Exactly. Oh, it's the best feeling when you can help someone. And then they'll go and hope someone else. Like, they'll sh- like this is what happened to um, one of the girls at Manly. Like I shared my story one day and I talked about medication and stuff. And she'd said to me, um, you know, I've been on meds, but I've gone off them. I don't want to take them because I feel like it's, I shouldn't need them. I shouldn't have to take them. It's like a band-aid. And I was like, no, no. Oh, like, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, it's just part of your recipe now. You know, like sometimes you have a chemical imbalance and you need to take them for a while. So she started taking them again. And she said, oh, thanks so much. Like, it just made me feel like, you know, like it wasn't like, it's okay for me to take them, you know, like it's, it's not a problem. And um, now, and then she sent me a message saying, hey, I, I talked to someone, I told them what I'm going through and they were so supportive and they'd gone through stuff too. And then she started to um, talk to a few others. She said, look, it help, it's helped me so much just sharing my story with others. And it's just the fact of like, just realizing you're not alone biggest thing yeah know? it's obviously become something way bigger than what you thought of that first morning that you got out after your uh, your second <laughs> hospitalization and it looks like you're gonna move to make this something quite quite serious would that be right to assume yeah that's the aim we just like our um dream is to like give people hope they can be mental health issues by creating this supportive um, community connected by the ocean. And so we want to do as many beaches as we can worldwide. Like we're currently um, each week now, there's, there's 50 beaches that have done it. Um, Fluoro Friday, there's eight that do it each week at the moment. There's six in Oz, two in New Zealand. And so our aim by um, the end of this year is to get up to 20 beaches weekly. And we've also just launched this one wave surf experience. It's a 12-week um, program, like a learn-to-surf program for people experiencing mental health issues. So we realized with Fluoro Friday, like there may be some people that can't make it down because they've been in a hospital like me or they've just come out or they're going through really serious um, mental health issues and they don't have the confidence to come down. And so this is like a, a 12-week program with 10 people and they learn to surf, they um, do some like cognitive behavioral therapy and they meet new people and so it's more of a recovery program and so we've just launched the first one down at bondi um and so that's you know 
they had amazing results with the people. Like the first week, these guys were like, we I shared my story and they shared their story and they're really quiet and obviously not that happy about talking about mental health. And each week, like, and they didn't know how to surf. And then each week, like their faces just lit up more. And by the end of it, like I actually did um, a Channel 9 Today Show interview with one of the participants and he was just unreal. Like he was on there like talking about what he'd been through and and just to see how far he'd come. And so, yeah, we really want to focus on, um, we're looking at getting four of those. So we're currently at Bondo with that program. We're looking at getting it in Manly as well. And then um, two other beaches in the next six months. And then going to try and expand that. So the aim is to have, where there's a Fluoro Friday running weekly, to have a one-wave surf experience on that beach. And then so when people finish, go through the one-wave surf experience program, they get more confidence, they can come and join the join the Fluoro Fridays. So, yeah, that's the aim. So we've just actually launched a um, start some good campaign to try and fund fund that program and get the, the One Wave Surf experience going in more beaches. What about people who are listening, people listening to this all over the world? What about people who are listening uh, in places where there really isn't any surf? Well, you know, if people are listening and they're relating, and I've, I heard you mention that people, it's on Bondi, some folks, who, or Manly, some folks who don't surf, there's, there's yoga. Mm. What are some things that people can do if they can't find themselves in the ocean or they're terrified of getting in the water above their knees? Like, yeah. which, which a lot of people in the world are. You can do whatever you want. So, because on a Friday, if you want to feel like dressing in fluoro, like in Brisbane, there's a boot camp. And so they um, do boot camp every Friday in, um, yeah, in their fluoro. And they said, like, the difference in the energy on a Friday when everyone's dressed up in their light cream fluoro is completely different than any other days during the week. Um, you can do stand-up paddleboarding. You can do a skateboard fluoro Friday. You can do a fluoro Friday at your school. Really, it's, if you can't make it to the beach, um, you know, dressing up in fluoro and starting the conversations about mental health is, you know, such an important part that you can do anywhere in the world. And so, yeah, you can go to like One Wave is all it takes and just and send us a message with your ideas. But basically, it's just like, you know, like create whatever you want for your fluoro Friday, like whatever is going to make you feel happy and whatever is going to help spread the message about mental health. That's what it's all about. Obviously we started with surfing, but you know, at the end of the day, we just want to raise as much awareness as we can and, and start conversations about it. Surfing seems it, it serves a great purpose of it's something physical, which is really good for your health, something communal, which is really good for your health, gets you out of bed early, which means you have to go to sleep early, which means yeah. you get good eight hours sleep. Yeah. You know, it, it, it gets those three things that are so key. I talk about this all the time. There's three, there are three things that. And the are, sunrise, seeing the sunrise, yeah. Like, yeah, you can't beat it. Right. And certainly around here, particularly in whale season, you get whales out here, you get dolphins out here. It's, you know, but those, those three things, it seems that surfing is just, it's a facilitator to get those things that have been proven to improve mood. Yeah. Um, surfing is just one of the things that helps make that happen. But as you're saying, it could be fluoro. Fluoro, anything it could be yeah. fluoro lawn bowls. It could just, you know, just fluoro, as long as fluoro tie to work or yeah. anything, you know, it's just about like starting, it's having a bit of fun and starting that conversation. Yeah. About it. And then get to a beach as soon as you can. I <laughs> recommend to get to surfing. So if someone is listening to this and they've related a bit to what you've got to say, if they are feeling in a funk, what would, what would you say to them? Um, you know, you're not alone. And like, really there is so many people out there that are going through something similar to you and i know it's really really hard to do but you just need to ask for help just grab someone and say like 
look like I'm struggling a bit at the moment, just just tell them how you're feeling, you know, and you know, there's you can talk to your local doctor, um, you can call your, you know, your local emergency line like Lifeline in Australia. Um, and just know that you'll beat it. It's just a matter of time. And sometimes it's not easy, but like when you like see the light at the end of the tunnel, it'll make all the hard times. You'll see why they happen. And I know it's so hard to, to understand that now, but it will. You just need to ask for help. And if you can get in the ocean, like come for a surf and <laughs> um, at Fluoro Friday with us and, and we'll talk about it, you know, and like sometimes one wave is all it takes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you mentioned, you know, getting help. A lot of people don't realize that if you turn up to an emergency room, if you turn up to a hospital in a casualty and you say, I've been thinking about, I feel like I want to, you know, do myself some harm, they will take you so seriously. Yeah. They will not tell you go home and get over it. Yeah. They will take you so seriously. They will, you'll talk to the psych on, on, on site. They will, they take that stuff very, very seriously. A lot of people don't know that that's something that you can present to an emergency room with. Exactly. They sit there at that. home thinking, oh, no one can know about this. You can. Oh yeah. There's so many, you yeah. can ring the, ring the police. If you, yeah. if you're worried about yourself or a friend, ring the police. Yeah um get yourself to a local doctor if you can like there are so many people that are there to help you know look up black dog or beyond blue there's all the emergency um services lines on there as well as one waves all it takes uh, website as well but there's so many people that will help but with mental health because it's so invisible it's really hard for people to know yeah you know like when you need help so it's just about doing the hardest thing, but the best thing you'll ever do. And that's just, just asking for it. But as you said, and you know, I asked you that deliberately because I knew exactly what your answer would be. Whatever you're worried that other people might think if you disclose, and it's completely up to you to disclose. I'm not telling you, encouraging anybody to disclose at work or to their friends or if they don't feel comfortable. Totally up to you when you disclose, if you disclose. But I promise you that whatever you're worried that might happen when you do disclose, probably won't it'll be the opposite that's the thing <laughs> a prime example is i um so at work i hadn't really told many people at work but on world mental health day last year i we did a fluoro friday went down the beach and then i did an organized one at work and and um i did a talk before and i was weighing up to say do i say i've got bipolar do i not like this is a workplace i said i was honest and said this is why i started one way if i have bipolar i want to raise awareness so people don't have to go through what i did my boss came out and said his daughter was in the hospital at the moment for depression in front of the whole workplace. That afternoon, there were so many people at work that shared their personal stories. This is people I sit next to every day and we don't talk about mental health at all. At the, um, the managing director's meetings for the next few weeks, um, my boss gave an update on how his daughter was. And so I was worried that people might judge me. I was worried that I might have a chance of losing my job. It was the freaking complete opposite. And this is the thing, like, we, we worry about it so much, but people appreciate you speaking up. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That's certainly been the experience I've had with doing this show. One day, I think it was like the third episode of this show, I just hit record, just went, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Fuck it. <laughs> I uploaded it and then the emails that I got, 
the the response that I've got from from people has been has, has been incredible. And you know, and like, like I said, it was after I had you know I had a, a, a I was quite sick for a while, and um, I just had a chat with Adam from from November. I'm like, man, we've got to do something. We've got to. This is what we've got to do. And um, you know, so to have have this conversation with you is really. And how are you now? Look, as you, as you mentioned, you know, you go through through ups and downs. Like I still have I still have my triggers. Yeah. And I'm learning to deal with them a lot better. Um, they're very f- physical symptoms when yeah. I get when I get triggered. Yeah. Um, I'm on a pretty good mix of meds. Yeah. We've, we you kind of play Jenga it's, it's with so meds. Much. You kind of put uh, a milligram in here, I, take a milligram out of there. Oh, hang on, no. now you okay? Now you can't taste things. All right, we'll put this back. We'll take that out. Oh, you just gained ten kilos. Okay, we'll put some in. No, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of a lot, a lot of Jenga. So but, true. Um, and I talk about this all the time on this show. Is like, it's not like taking a Panadol and then twenty minutes later you feel all right. Sometimes it's three weeks later. Yeah. You just got to trust them. Exactly. You just got to go with it. Grit your teeth. And and if that doesn't work, you'll just freaking go another. You're yeah. Like, Do I have to go another three weeks? Yeah. Easily before you even start start to notice, but. I'm off the one that was causing a lot of a lot of weight gain. That was, I mean, it was great, but I was just like, I'm running out of clothes, man. <laughs> I was the same. I put on seven or eight kgs in hospital over like freaking ten days. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was, at, but I needed it at the time. That's 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 the drug I needed. Yeah. But as I stabilized more and more using some other things, and my guy's quite the. He's such a freaking scientist, my guy. He's uh, he used to be a. Um, what was his job before this? It, he was a lawyer. He was a really high-profile, um, uh, high-tech lawyer. Yeah. Did, did big deals for like um, gaming companies and things. And went, ah, this isn't really that exciting. I'll go do psychiatry. <laughs> and so he went back to Stanford yeah. and he became a psychiatrist. And now he's just, he's younger than me. He's an absolute freaking, he's brilliant. And um. And, and I said, you know, Shit, it'd be good to talk to him because I've never found a good one. I see a doctor oh, now, but I've never found. I've really struggled. He's with... in Los. He's in Los Angeles. Oh so. yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find one here actually because I'm still skyping with him. You know, well, where's you find a good one? You got to hold on to him because that's oh, yeah, it's tough. Oh, that's that's the other thing. I'm trying to find one in Sydney, and I've got to give it a number from someone. I gave a call. Says, yeah, the next next available is in September. Like, fuck, Mate, that's the dude. It's fucking May. <laughs> hospital the second time I actually rang around trying to talk to the psychiatrist saying I think I'm going man I, I couldn't get in anywhere uh, and end up back in hospital uh, it's ridiculous that's so well there you go if you're studying your medicine right now get into psychiatry because there's heaps of work I know <laughs> yeah. the thing is and I didn't know who to, and that's the thing about not knowing who to call yeah if I knew a doctor could give me you know I could have just walked into a doctor but I just did not know and I didn't have mum and dad here and, yeah 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 well my, my guy is actually I like him because I sat down when I first met him. I was I was in a very very bad way. I was I was not doing very well at all. And um, he said, "Don't worry, I never lose." <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel that way. And I just had, but the thing is, I had to trust him because everything in my brain is telling me this fuck, you know, da da da, it's all over, da, 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 da. and I just had to look at my brain and go, "All right, I'm trying to think about the way I'm thinking with a brain that can't think very well. This yeah, is yeah. like trying to bite my own teeth. So I just have to." believe that what this guy's saying is going to work yeah. and whatever's going on in my head, I'm just going to ignore it for a while, Yeah, yeah. which is what I had to do. And it worked out for now. Uh, that's awesome. No, but it's okay. Like now, like I'm, you know, I love being, I'm going to feel my daughter's, my girlfriend's daughter isn't here right now. She's on holidays um, with her dad, but you know, I've got a really great 
it sets everything you talked about. You know, I, I, I sleep regularly. I eat really well, sober. So that's, you know, I don't, uh, so before you bring any meds into it, you know, I, I work out, I ride my bicycle. Like I, I lead a pretty disciplined, you know, program as it is. And then when you throw, you know, the medication, everything else on top, and also I love my job. Yeah, how do you, you find know. it presenting though when you, when you're trying to uh, get, deal with this? See, this is the funny part. Um, what's, you know, what's anxiety? Anxiety is fear. Yeah. yeah. And a fear of loss of control. Yeah. When am I more in control than when I'm on live national television? Oh, so that everyone, actually, everyone else is quiet. I'm the only one talking. And so it helps. It's absolute bliss. I think that's what happens when I get up and do talks it's and share my story bliss. because I get nervous before it. But then when I'm up there, it kind of feels like it's like. I'm the one in control. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah. I've had to, I talk with my doctor about it. Um, my doctor, yeah, crazy my doctor here is actually, he's actually quite good. Um, he, um, you know, he always, he always talks about his, his example is an Olympic weightlifter. And I've talked about this on the show before, that if you think that an Olympic weightlifter who trains for four years for one event and does the same course of, I don't know, like 18 actions from putting the chalk on his, his or her hands, walking four steps to the bar, lift, grabbing the bar, breathe, set, and there's like 16 actions. They do that 47,000 times yeah. for one 16-second event. Yeah. In four years from now, if you don't think they've got some sort of obsessive compulsive yeah. thing, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. They have it, but it's it's, it's just a using, as you mentioned a bit earlier, it's using that little thing and, and treating it almost like a superpower. Like I've got this brain that won't stop until something's done. Yeah. Now it's got me into trouble in the past, but it has made me really good at what yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's made me like, I just won't stop until something's finished. Now I have to, and it's good being here because my girlfriend's like, it's, it's time to, you know. <laughs> Come and come and look. Come and eat some food and look at me. So, okay, thank you. And it's good to have that. You know, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's really good to have that. But I also have to just recognize and accept that you know I've got this. I've got this thing that I can use to my advantage. I don't have to let it. You know, see it as a as a disability. I see it as a when it when it suits me and just like keeping it as as that. Yeah. If it overtakes me, then I'm in. You know, yeah. then I'm in trouble. I mean, I'm. You know, you're a very charismatic guy. I'm sure when when that thing is on. Everybody wants to be around you, you know? And then you get too far. Oh, well, that's the like, thing. What's going on with Grant? It, it's pumping the brakes a bit. It's And I know that feeling. You know, I know the feeling of like, oh, I'm getting, I'm just going to go and have a few deep breaths for a while because I know what happens next. You know, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling. You know, in fact, when you were telling me the story of the surf thing before, I, I'll say it, my heart was starting to race. I started to feel, you know, a, a bit of empathic, um, you know, it's like, I've, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was kind of feeling it. Yeah, in a in a bit of a way. So it's kind of interesting to tell that story. Um, so I guess I should let you know. You go. We've been talking for a while now. How long have we been going? But mate, oh, an hour and five minutes. It's been good. <laughs> it's a good chat. It's a good chat. Well, that's what I'm here for. You know, this is a that's what the show is. It's a great. Uh, you know, this is the I've done radio my whole life. Done radio since I was twenty, and this show that I make here. In this, on this table, that I looking put up, out looking out of the ocean with people having a cup of tea, talking <laughs> absolutely authentic, talking absolutely authentically, is the greatest. It's the some of the greatest work I've ever done. I, awesome. I, you know, it costs me money, but I don't fucking care. Yeah. I love it because I think it's too dangerous now to not speak authentically about everything. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying you want to tell everyone your horror story, but by 
you know, and, and I'm, you know, you're going to use tact when you speak. I guess, you know, not everything all the time. It's just like just if we can speak authentically with each other, we can know each other better and we can understand each other better and we can. Exactly. Just let everyone know like we're only we just, we're not perfect. You know? We can kind of get along, you know, yeah. and, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So now I, I, I look, I'm away next week, but I really have no excuse now. I've got a 4-3 wetsuit that I didn't bring. You could be down for Fleur Friday. I need a board though. I've got a speedboard, mate. Yeah. Is it a big fat old man board like that? Oh, now long good. Nine foot. Like yeah. Nine footer. I'll need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of fluor on there. Six thirty. Six thirty. You got it. Yeah. All right, mate. I'll be there. Legend. That's the nineteenth. Nineteenth. Yeah. Yeah, my, that's good. My mum's in town now. I'll be here the nineteenth. Bring your mum down too. Oh, I'll go pick her up at the airport. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna take your photo, all right? Yeah. Okay, sweet. That was Grant Trebelko. How was that? You can find him on Instagram, one wave is all it takes, all one word on Instagram. And throw a couple of bucks their way, start some good.com slash one wave is all it takes. They're, they're looking to, uh, to really scale it up and, and take one wave is all it takes all around the world. If you have a beach near you and you'd like to start your own version of Fluoro Friday, just get in touch with Grant. His email's on the website. I'm sure he'd be thrilled that you're a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. I did get the dates wrong, but I guess I'll see you. I'm committed now. I'll see you Friday morning, 6.30 a.m., Bondi Beach, Sydney, Australia. Wear some fluoro. I'll see you there. Until we talk next, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Have a good week.